Thank you for tuning in to Cobblestone Community Church today. We hope this message blesses you. If you need prayer for anything, please email us at prayer at cobblestonechurch.com. Now here's the message. This is going to sound bold, but I don't think it is. When the glory and the power of God shows up in this room, respond in faith. That's all I'm asking. And I'm not talking buckets of it. I'm talking a little bit. The woman that grabbed Jesus' robe to be healed, you know what that was? Faith. The Roman centurion that asked him to heal his son, you know what that was? Faith. Every moment of the Bible that you read and you go, wow, Jesus did that, you know what they were walking in? Faith. And we'll talk about that today. But I want to talk to God first before I keep talking to you. Um, and I want actually you, us, we, uh, the, the Our Father prayer. What's the first word of the Our Father prayer? I just said it, but R, R, if you're from Indiana, um, R, <laughs> or Ireland, I don't know. <laughs> R, it's a family. It's a together. We have come into the household of God underneath the covenant of Jesus by the blood of God, and now we get to go in and talk to him. So I'm not using this as a transition. I'm going to sit down. I don't know where I'm going to sit down. Not in the baptism, but I'm going to sit down. I was like, and I'm going to talk to God. You get to do that too. And so if you get in a conversation with God, why would you want to hear me talk anymore? Right? I know you're like, let's do it. So if you could just get in a place of prayer, and maybe you're like, I lay down when I pray. I don't care. Go ahead. Be weird. Um, but if you're like, I, I run circles when I pray. Don't do that. That's distracting. So Jesus, we do. You are the living God. And what good would it be if we gathered and we didn't stop and go, God, we want you here. And as a people, right now, all, all our hearts right in here, we bring all, in faith, we come. And so, Father, I ask in the name of Jesus for the power of God to be made evident in this room. I pray for the one that feels like you don't see them, that you would show them, that you see every hair of their head, that you know every chamber of their heart, and that you would make a way today where people don't feel like there's a way. And so, Jesus, I ask just in bold, stupid faith that you would heal that you would break everything demonic in this room. Get out in the name of Jesus. I pray, I ask for physical healing, but I even deeper, I ask for emotional healing, I ask for relational healing, I ask God that you would come and do more than we can think or imagine, and I'll just pray your word back to you, that you would give us the ability to understand the surpassing greatness of your love, that the love of God would be made manifest in this room that we would walk in faith. So Father, I ask in the name of Jesus for faith. Faith would arise in cobblestone. We might not always see it, but we trust you. So would you come right now and, and stir the hearts of your people? I pray your word would burn in us. It'd be like fire in our bones. And it would purify but it would also motivate. So Lord, I, I know I've said to you this in the driveway and in the woods, you do whatever you want. 
This isn't our church. This is your church. We are your kids. So our Father who art in heaven, holy be your name here. And just before I say amen, if, if you're a lover of Jesus, would you just say, say under, you can whisper it, but God, do whatever you want. Thank you for the people in this room, God. Oh, I thank you that you love them. I thank you for the joy that you want to pour out. I thank you that you are good and faithful and true, that you don't run out on your kids, that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Not life, not death, not angels or demons, not even our own stupidity. Thank you that you are the great God, the king of heaven and earth, and yet for the joy set before you, you endured the cross. Thank you that your promises are true. Thank you that your word is powerful. And I pray that the word of God would work in power in this room. That it would break every chain. That we would walk in obedience. And that we would hear you above the world and even our own flesh. In the name of Jesus, the Son of God, amen. Amen. I could just stay there for a while, but let's get preaching. Uh, Ezekiel 36. We're getting to 37, but you've got to see the context. Normally when we read the Bible, we jump into the fun parts. So we jump right into 37, which is the Valley of Dry Bones. And if you're from a charismatic Pentecostal background, you probably have a song, Dim Bones, Dim Bones, I, whatever. My grandma's like, Dim Bones. I'm like, it sounds like a gangster song, grandma. Um, but Dim Bones, you just jump right in there and you're like, that's where I want to live. You have to understand the context. Ezekiel and the whole people of God have been dragged off into exile. He's watched them die, murdered, be pillaged. He is a shell of a man, if I've ever seen one. He doesn't have his rightful job. He's a priest. The temple's crushed. He can't, you can't priest if you don't have a temple. Did I put priest into a... Anyway, yep. You can't priest if you don't have a temple. There's no animals to be sacrificed. You can't do anything that you're called to do. So I think he's just wandering around like, what do I do now? Why do I don't have a job? And then God shows up, Ezekiel chapter 1, and he sees the Lord. That's where he gets his calling. So I'll remind you what I preached about three weeks ago. If you don't know what to do with your life, stop looking at you and catch a vision of the glory of God. When the people of God look at God, they immediately are not afraid. And they almost, it's just like looking at him, you're like, I know what I must do on the earth now. I must make him famous. Like, and you're like, I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. Look at him. Don't look at you. Stop looking at you. Look at him. Amen. Okay. So in Ezekiel 36, you have, it's, it's, it's pretty gut-wrenching, guys. And I want to remind you that it's not always sunshines and rainbows because Ezekiel had a hard job. Everyone wants to be a prophet until God's like, go do this. And you're like, really? Ezekiel at one point in time, and when I say hard, I mean like doesn't compute with our human brains. God tells Ezekiel a few chapters before this, your wife's going to die and you're not going to mourn her. You're not going to cry. You're not going to wail. You're not going to do any of the customs. And you're going to do that as a sign to the people. Anybody still want to be a prophet? Everybody still want to be that guy or that woman? It's hard. And so what he has done is what God told him. I'm going to punish the people because they set up idols. They are being corrupt and unjust and unloving. 
They are worshiping other gods, and they need, they, they need to be brought back to me, but they're not listening. Now they go off into exile. Go to verse 16 of Ezekiel 36. He's going to tell them why all this has happened, and then he's going to tell them a solution. Again, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, when the people of Israel were living in their own land, they defiled it by their conduct and their actions. So I'm going to time out real quick. The language of the Bible is not always comfortable, but the next line is pretty daggone like, but I warned you. Their conduct was like a month, woman's monthly uncleanliness in my sight. And so I poured out my wrath on them because they had shed blood in the land and because they had defiled it with their idols. I dispersed them among the nations and they were scattered through the countries. I judged them according to their conduct and their actions. Therefore, say to the Israelites, this is what the sovereign Lord says. It is not for your sake, people of Israel, that I'm going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you have gone. I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the sovereign Lord, when I am proved holy through you before their eyes. Now, if we are reading this, and we're very American, pretty white in this room, very Western in our mindset, you read this and go, that's not fair. Seems a little harsh, Father. Seems a little harsh that you would do that to your people. Now, I always put this in familial family language. Anybody in here ever had a kid, and you're like, I can't wait to discipline you when we get home. Parents, you're like, you, I'm going to give you a spanking when we get home. You're like, and you're excited about it? Real talk? Are we real talking? Okay, cool. But when they're real little, like when Grace was real little, I would almost be like, don't make me punish you. And I know you guys are like, oh, girl dad. Yeah, I know, but it's true. This is what God is doing. He's like, he, all through the years, he's like, don't make me punish you. You're gonna kill yourselves. It's gonna hurt you. You're giving your lives to idols. Stop, 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 stop. And they're not listening. And so he sends prophet after prophet after prophet. Please come back to the Lord. Get rid of the idols. Return to the Lord your God. You made a covenant with him. He's your God. You're his people. Stop, stop, stop. He tells them this is going to happen. And then it happens. So I'll ask a really basic question. We ask it all the time, but it's so important, and I think we get it wrong. Who's the center of the universe? Jesus, God, Yahweh, Yeshua. I don't care what name you put in there. It's not you, right? Now, the God of the Bible, the omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient one, the one who is and was and always will be, does he know that he's the best thing? Is he aware of it? Does God know that he's better than all things? Just think it through. Does he know? So the best thing for God to do is to be the center of the universe and us to go around him. In fact, that's what the Bible says. A life lived, you were made created, designed to live with him as the center and life to flow from him. And when it does, it leads to life, it leads to flourishing, it leads to hope, it leads to good things. But when you get in the middle and you go, God, you go around me, everything crumbles, kind of twists and breaks. And so for God to say to his people, for my name's sake, he's not being prideful. That's not wrong of God. He really is better than anything else. 
He really is holier than everything else. He really did speak it all into existence by the word of his mouth. He really did do that. So for him to say to his people, if you worship that idol, it will lead to death for you, he ain't wrong. That's what God's been saying to his people, and I believe might, might be what God's saying to some of you. You might even feel some of that chastisement from God because he treats his sons like that. I discipline my sons. Give me a kid that has no discipline from a father. No one really wants to be around that kid. Our father in heaven disciplines his kids, chastises them, says, I'm even going to go to the lengths of exiling you that it might expel all those idols. How do I know this? Well, he tells them that. Go to verse 24. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I give your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. I will save you from all your uncleanliness. I will call for the grain and make it plentiful and will not bring famine upon, upon you. Now you read that part. Does that seem unfair? No, right? That seems gracious. That seems like, wow, what kind of God, what kind of king, what kind of Lord, even when we spit in his face, defiled his land, set up other gods, idols, and worship them instead of him, comes back and goes, I'll clean you up. That heart that is hard, like stone, I'm going to make flesh. And I'm not even going to stop there. I'm going to put the Spirit of God in you that will make you able to love me and me first, that will put me in the center and it will lead to life for you. That's a good problem. That almost sounds like Jesus' work, does it not? That Jesus comes in and washes us clean from all unrighteousness. That Jesus comes in and he doesn't stop there. He puts the very spirit of God in us that we might love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, and soul, and strength. That we might be able to say no to sin because sin's not our master anymore. Jesus is. This is, oh, this is what God does. He cleans, cleans, not cleans. He cleanses. He fills. He takes hearts that are hard and makes them soft. He does all this. And I think what happened is, and I I, I'm pretty sure it doesn't actually say it. I don't think Ezekiel believed him. Because Ezekiel looked around and went, hmm, really? You're going to bring the people back? You're going to do all this? What are you going to do? They're all dead. And you almost can, if you read it actually how I think it, it, it is, he's, he's kind of mad at God. You ever been there? And so what God does goes, fine, I'll show you. Go to Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 1. When you have a vision, that's the noise that happens. So that's how you know. <laughs> that's not good theology. Still isn't it? Anyway, the hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and he set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry, and he asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. 
So God says, hey, all this stuff happened because I told him it was gonna happen. And it's really actually pulled them back to me in a covenant relationship. This is what I'm gonna do for them. And I think Ezekiel was like, I just don't see it. And so God's like, pulls them into a vision, which is very spiritual and sometimes hard to explain in our Western mindsets, but very real. And he's seeing a literal, it's almost like a horror movie, y'all. Like that, ear, 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 bones everywhere, oh my gosh. Like this, that scary like vibe. You're like, everywhere I look, there's death. And we're not told if it's, a, if it's a, like an army came through or if it was plague or famine. We're just dead bones, dry, no life in them. And a question is put out. Son of man, can these bones live? Now, when I read the Bible, sometimes you shouldn't do this, but I think this is appropriate. I like to put myself right there. God puts you and I in the middle of an impossible situation. We are surrounded by dead bones. And you hear the voice of God go, can these live? Here's what I believe would happen in the American church. No. You don't do that anymore. That's what he would hear. And so you have Ezekiel, who rightfully is saying, my people are in exile. I've watched all my friends get murdered and died. The temple is destroyed. And now you put me in this vision, God, in front of all these dry bones. Can, can they live? Can dry bones live? See how that, uh, that almost like confronts the, the mind of men? Because I don't know if you know this, I, I've never come across a bone and been like, I got KFC. Chicken! It just doesn't come to my mind, right? You ever been at a, a funeral? And you read the Bible enough, you're like, I know Jesus did stuff. Should I go lay on that body? Is that just me? Is that, that's not how you read the Bible? You ever in a cemetery and you're like, I know there's bones. If I ever come across you all in a cemetery and you're yelling at dry bones, we're going to have to just be like, okay, kids, <laughs> right? So here's Ezekiel at a critical moment and he hears the voice of the Lord, can these bones live? And you have to be thinking in his head, he's like, but what does he say? Sovereign Lord, you alone know. You know if they can and you have the power. So it's almost like a, a submission moment. And so you, can these bones live feels like the question that I think echoes to a lot of us, and I'll attach it to us today. Can addiction be broken? Can the sinner be saved? Can healing happen? Can God do anything he wants to do? Can these bones live? And I feel like what's been happening in the American church is through COVID, even in this church, through COVID and through the world and the swirl of political and gender and all this crap, the, the church is kind of like shrinking in our faith. And God wants us to be like, no, 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 no. God can do anything. He can make dead bones alive. He can save any soul on this planet. He can do all things to walk in faith. And it, it continues from there. Can these bones live. And then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. And then you will know that I am the Lord. 
So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. And I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. And then he said to them, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man. And say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath from the four winds, and breathe into these slain, that they may live. And so I prophesied as I was commanded, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Tell me what God can't do. Tell me. And I know some of you are like, well, I prayed once and it didn't happen. Me too, but I'm still trying to walk in faith. And this is the whole already, not yet of the kingdom of God. I don't understand it. I've been prayed for, I've prayed for a hundred different people now for healing, and I have not seen it yet. You know what I'm still, still doing to this day? Praying for healing. I have announced the gospel over crackheads and guys on the streets of Chicago and not seen them come to Jesus. You know what I'm still doing? Announcing and praying the kingdom of God. Will we walk in faith? Or will we let the dry bones or the world or the culture tell us God can't do that? And so what I want you to notice too for you that are maybe even in this moment right now, God says to him, son of man, prophesy this, say this, do this, and he does it. And what starts to happen? Life starts to come back. The bones start to come back together. The tendons start to come back together. And some of you would experience this. And I know that there's probably somebody out here, you felt called by God, pray for that person. Pray them into the kingdom. And you started praying. And then they started, you almost started to see life come back to that person. They started coming back to church. And then all of a sudden, you're like, there's no breath. There's no life. They're not, and then they ran. And you kind of felt your faith go. But notice the process that God takes them through. Son of man, prophesy that the bones would come back. And they start to come back, right? Then, after he'd seen life, he's like, but there's no breath. Then God's like, now I want you to do this. Prophesy breath into them. And so many times, there's a process with God. And what we all want is we want instantaneous. We want to go, we don't want baby steps. We want like the whole, get me right here, right now. Do it now, God. And he's like, do what I'm telling you to do. I'm telling you, speak life over the bones. And then what happened? Life was in the bones, but there wasn't breath. And then he's like, now I want you to speak breath into the bones. So in all this faith walking, you know what it comes down to? Listening and being obedient. That's it. Listen to the Lord, speak what he says. When it doesn't happen the way you want, now what do you want me to do? Do this. You will watch the kingdom of God be grown. But too often we're like, this is taking too long. Where's the breath? And we just try to like circumvent God's plans. Stick with what God says. Humble yourself out under his mighty hand and he'll lift you up in due time. Ezekiel does what God tells him to do and then he sees God do what we don't think he can do. The impossible. He watches an army form out of dead, dry things. And then look at what happens in verse 11. And then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I'm the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live. And I will settle you in your own land, 
and then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares it the Lord. Do it again. That's what I want. I've been praying that for you all week, that where you all feel like you're in a grave, without hope, that your faith is dwindling, that God would come in today, and you would walk out faith-filled, out of a grave, set free. And God can do all of those things. God can do all those things. He's been doing them for a long time because here's how I know. 600 years after that moment, another group of men and women were sitting very dejected, very broken, and very unhope-filled. 12 disciples, more than that really, in an upper room. Their leader, Jesus, is dead. They don't have a lot of hope. We thought he was the Messiah. What are we going to do? And then what happens? The Holy Spirit of the living God falls on them. Fire falls over them and from that moment on the church has done one thing walked into dead dark places and announced the kingdom of God has come so the church doesn't ignore the bones do you know that our world's a hot mess right now people are losing their minds and the church is joining them in losing our minds like what are we going to do what can God God can't do it God can do it we just need a people that'll come back to, okay, God, I need you to wash this clean. I need you to fill me with your spirit. I need you to set me in a valley of dry bones, and I need to hear your word for those bones. Speak God's word over these situations. Speak God's life into your classmates. Speak God's word over your kids. God's word is powerful. The Psalms talk about the word of God, the voice of God breaking the cedars, shaking the mountains that in his coming and his speaking all fall down. Like this is the power of the word of God. And so when we look at this, can these bones live? I feel like the disciples were asked that question and then God was like, oh, they can live. And I think some of you, can these bones live? Can that situation be resurrected? And the answer biblically is yes. Jesus can do it. God can do it. And I think some of you in this room right now, the Lord is asking, is it impossible for me? And you've been saying, yeah, it's impossible, Lord, you can't do it. And I think he wants to check you by the word today. Oh, he can do it. Will we trust him in it? And I want you to notice two things, and I'm going to give you two things to arm yourself with that I think Ezekiel walked in, that we must walk in again if we want to see these dry bones moments. Number one is prayer and humility. So he's talking to God, and he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? And we think his answer, I think it's, he's trying to dodge a question, but he says, sovereign Lord, you alone know. That is a posture of humility. That is a posture of, I don't have the power, and I don't have the ability to see these things, anything other than just bones. So maybe you have a kid that's run away from God, and you have no, uh, you just don't have the eyes to see right now that God's going to make a way. So you're like, God, only you know, but that's humility. And there is a key, key principle to the kingdom of God. God opposes the, but gives grace to the humble, the contrite in spirit. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. These are the, the teachings we don't like because we like blessed are the powerful and the confident and the cocky. That's nowhere in there. Blessed are those who go, God, I can't make a way. You make a way. Blessed are those people. Those people see dry bones moments because they're living in faith. 
And so some of you are still feeling the chastisement of God, and I really do think God disciplines his kids. You're feeling that because you're walking in pride. And God's opposing you. And you don't like that because you're like, it's all grace and butterflies. And the, Yes, there's grace and joy and life and dead things come to life. But God actually says in the same word, I oppose you if you're in want and pride. And some of you are like, I can't believe you let this situation happen to me. And so you're even walking in pride in your pain. And God's like, will you just humble? Will you just trust me? Will you just, I can't do it anymore, God. And in that moment, I've seen more power, more transformation, more life. And then the second thing is the word of the Lord. So prayer and humility and in the word of the Lord. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. So I prophesied as I was commanded. There's a big, big difference between your words and the word of God. There's a big, big difference between when God says a thing and when a man or woman says a thing. And too often right now, we are caught up in the words of the world. Facebook is telling us what to think. Social media is telling us what to think. Our neighbors are telling us what to think. The government's telling us what to think. And God's like, when are you going to listen to my word? My word is powerful. And five words from God can do more than 2,000 from men. Five. And I've told this testimony before, and it weirds people out, but it's true. Um, and I'll do it quick. And I think I've told it before. I, I was uptown at Cofinia once, just hanging out, drinking coffee, because that's what Christians do, because we can't do drugs. So we drink caffeine. So, um, side note. So I'm sitting there drinking coffee with a guy named Josh, Josh Jones. He knows. Anyway, he's going to listen to this. Uh, and we're just talking, because he works at a church, I work at a church. He has been instrumental, used by God in my life. And so, He's like, let's get together. We're talking, just cutting the crap, you know, just talking about stuff and marriage and life. And, you know, he stops. He stops kind of mid-sentence almost, and he, and he stops, and he kind of tilts his head. And I'm like, there goes Josh being weird again. Uh, and in that season of my life, I, all I, I was like, you know, God's powerful. He can do anything. I had no expectation for him to ever reach into reality and make dry bones alive. None. I was... This is all I need, and I memorized it, and I can tell you what it means in Greek. Josh stops. He kind of goes like this. I'm like, uh. how's your time with Jesus? Seems like a normal question, right? It's a, it's a normal question. Like, if you're not asking another brother in Christ that question, you're doing it wrong. How's your time with Jesus? Except in this moment, my heart started to beat really, really fast. And I started sweating. And I don't mean like, I mean, like, <laughs> and I'm shaking. And it was almost like the living God walked into a coffee shop uptown, went, where you been? That's the word of the Lord. How is your time? No. How, how is your, how, that's a conjunction. What's your function? How's your time with Jesus? Eh, whatever. It was five words. Five words from God do more than all the words of the earth. Five words from God. God's word is powerful. The gospel of Jesus is not robbed of power. It is the power of God for the salvation of all those who would believe. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the gospel. 
The word of God is not void of its ability to restore, to heal, to bring dead bones to life. It's not. We just, we have failed to believe it. We have failed to walk in it. And now I'll put this tag on there because this has been used a bunch. I'm gonna talk about faith. Faith gets armed a lot and I don't see Jesus in the New Testament going, get some faith. Don't ever see it. That's not how Jesus is. Jesus is full of compassion. And I've already said this. I'm trying to walk in faith in all of this stuff. But I have prayed a lot of healing prayer over a lot of people and I've not seen it yet. And I'm still praying it. Because God can do it, right? So I'll ask him. And so in all these things, I just want to put one, one final push on you. And then we're going to watch people actually declare out loud, God did a thing. Which no man can do. He took a human heart, human soul, and made it new, clean. Washed it with clean water. Made a heart of stone into a heart of flesh and filled it with the Holy Spirit of God. And now... Now we get to participate in that. So when you look at the New Testament, there's a line that's bugged me most of my life, and it's Jesus talking, and he says, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So Jesus is coming back. And when he comes, will he find a church that's walking in faith or walking in doubt? Walking in faith like, God, you can do it. We trust you. We'll go to the ends of the earth. We'll do it. We'll lay down our lives. Or will he find some deformed version that's let something else form them? That's sitting in the midst of dry bones. He's like, what do you feel with the bones? Speak to them. Because that's what the church does. The church acknowledges the brokenness, steps into it and goes, God can make a way, and then announces the kingdom and the power of the gospel of Jesus. So in Matthew 13, Jesus is confronted with a problem of the people in his hometown. And you're like, a problem? Yeah, a problem. And when Jesus had finished this parables, the parables, he went away from there and coming to his hometown, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And are not all his sisters with us? Where did this man get all these things? And this is where it gets interesting. Verse 57 of Matthew 13. And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. And he did not do many mighty works there. Now, that last line troubles me. Does it trouble you? Because of their unbelief, lack of faith. Because they didn't think he could do it or would do it. So he didn't. Does that trouble you? Now, I know that that, that kind of thinking has been armed against people with cancer and people dying. Like, you don't have enough faith, you're not going to get your healing. I don't think that's Jesus' heart. But every story I read, the woman that grabs Jesus' robe believed, walked in faith that Jesus would heal her if all she did was touch his robe. When the Pharisee brings his daughter, says, my daughter's dying. You know what that was? Faith. The Roman centurion says, hey, I, I'm under authority just like you. You don't even have to come. All you have to do is say the word, and my son will be healed. My servant will be healed. 
and Jesus says the word, and he's healed. You know what that is? And Jesus says it. I've not seen faith like this in all of Israel. So I don't have it figured out, the correlation between faith, but I don't think God's over us like, you better get the most faith you can. And why do I say that? Because Luke 17, the apostles said to him, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it would obey you. There's another verse in Matthew where he says, if you said to this mountain, be cast into the sea, it would do it. If you had what? Faith like a mustard seed. So I actually have some of those. Hmm. So if I was to take a little bit of faith, and this is what I think some of you have. You think you have this much. I'm going to pitch this at you as hard as I can. You ready? Did it get you? Did you feel it? I got them with my faith. So here we are, the faith-filled people of God. And here's the thing. If you're sitting on this inside row right here, all the way down, so you're sitting on one of these. Did you feel it? Did you? It's like Princess and the Pea up in here. You're like, <laughs> this inside row, there's, there's one of these little seeds on all of your all seats, all right? This inside row, you're, sit, you're sitting on one, right? You didn't feel it, did you? Right? But then when the people of God come and we all bring our, whatever degree of faith we have, here we are, right? And here we are. We are the faith-filled people of God that says our God saves from life to death and can do all things. Then what happens when the, this church, our church, a church goes out into the world? Faith erupts in the earth. You're like, oh, I felt that. Yeah, I felt that too. You don't need buckets of it. You don't need to conjure it up. He said you need this much, which some days all I got, which is some days all I could get out of my mouth is, you could do it if you want, Lord, but I don't think you're going to. That, that. And I just want to bolster our church that we get to walk in faith. We get to say, come in with your impossible situations and we won't balk at you. I don't care if you're addicted. I don't care if porn has you. I don't care where you were last night. Jesus can make a way. And if you'll come in here, I'll bring whatever faith I have and I'll pray life over you. There's no impossible situations in the kingdom of God. And I'm tired of the world telling us that there is. There are none. Bar none, there are none. And I'm still expecting that we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So the church's primary calling on the earth is go into the kingdom of darkness, the earth, and set up the kingdom of light of faith in the living God. That's our call. You get to join that this week. You get to look at dead things and go, God can make that alive. So what we're gonna do, we're gonna do about three things. We are going to worship God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We are going to watch some brothers and sisters give their lives in declaration. They've already given their lives, but declare in a spiritual act, Jesus has taken my sin and I am his forever. And then when I come back out after baptisms, I'm gonna invite anybody in this room that is addicted, needs healing, or somehow thinks there's an impossible thing that God can't do to receive prayer. And we're going to be about God's business at the end of this service. So can you go back into just like a prayerful state? And we're going to watch one more testimony video. I just want to pray. Jesus, your word just went out. This is the word of God, living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. And I pray that it would cut 
that it would be like a fire in our bones. And Father, I ask again, I already asked, I ask for faith. I ask for faith. I don't, I, you say it's small as mustard seed. That's fine. We'll take what you give. Fill our hearts with faith. Fill it faith, Lord. And where it's lacking, where it's shaking right now, where maybe we're in this room, we're like, don't make me get up and have someone pray for me. I pray that there'd be this peace of God that would fill this room. And just gently as I can, Satan, get out. Your little twisted voice, shut up. Word of God, would you speak over your kids? You have been saved by the blood of the Lamb. You are free from guilt, shame, death, and hell. You have been filled with the Spirit of God. You are the people of God saved by the work of Jesus. You are his forever, now, and in all eternity. So Jesus, do whatever you want. We celebrate our brothers and sisters that are getting baptized and then set anybody free in this room that's not. In Jesus' name, watch this. I'm Eli Lacer. I'm a junior at Miami University. I'm getting baptized today. Um, I grew up in a Christian household and uh, accepted Christ at a pretty young age, but didn't really feel certain in that. Um, so as I grew older, I had a lot of questions about my faith, and then I got into porn, and that furthered my doubt and I just fell away from God in the church. And I'd go to church, but I was just a hollow shell for several years. My senior year, I spiraled into depression because I couldn't figure out what my purpose was in life. Everything people told me that I was good at or mattered meant nothing to me. So I, whatever, I, my identity was found in what I saw, so porn defined who I was and like what mattered, I guess. I didn't express that or think that at the time, but taking a step back, that's what it was. And then, yeah, laying in my bed one night, I was reading an article online that said, basically, porn is fake and I'm a normal human. And I needed to hear that all along because that's where I put my identity. And hearing that that wasn't valid in the slightest degree, was something I needed to hear. So that night, I also kind of heard God offering me a new purpose in place of the one I had. And that was amazing to me. I gladly accepted that opportunity. And ever since I've kind of been on an upward trajectory, uh, it's been a really slow process of healing, but I am forever changed by God and Jesus and the sacrifice he made for me. So with Jesus in my life, everything has changed immeasurably better than I could have hoped. Um, the new purpose he's given me has been so life-giving. Waking up every day knowing I can make a difference in his kingdom is amazing. And I've found so much hope and peace and joy in him and uh, yeah, I'm forever changed by him.
Thank you for joining us today. If you need prayer for anything, you can email us at prayer at cobblestonechurch.com or you can go on our website at www.cobblestonechurch.com and submit it there. We'd love to pray for you. Have a great week and God bless.